Hello, friends, and thank you for joining Christ Church Online. We are in week two of our series, The Wonders of Worship, and this week we are joined by both the Reverend Dr. John Guest and the Reverend Doug Rary as they answer what happens to us when we worship. Here is the message from the Reverend Doug Rary. Thank you for listening. Father God, I just thank you for this place, and I thank you for the opportunity to be standing up here this morning. God, I, I am not worthy. God, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would be in this place, that you would, uh, that you would fill this room, that you would open our hearts and our, and our minds to what you might have to say, and that it would be your words that are spoken here this morning and not mine. And all God's people said, Amen. Well, recently I had an opportunity to visit a very large mall, and believe it or not, it has been a a long time since I had been to a mall, but not much has changed. There's still a lot of things to be able to see and do in the mall, and one thing that that I I think will never change is is that, you know, I really believe that in every mall in America, uh, there is a place that sells empty promises and broken dreams, And, uh, and that is the dreaded mall kiosk. You know those little kiosks that are like right in the middle of the hallway uh, as you walk through the mall? And I don't know about you, but I have discovered that rarely does anything good come from a mall kiosk. It usually sells like the latest fad. Um, you know, toys that dazzle the eyes of children. I know my kids have, have begged me for the things that they, they see at the mall kiosk, but as soon as you get those toys home, the moment you get them home, in fact, they usually break. Uh, they sell beauty products that look amazing when the person working there uh, at the kiosk does it, but it just looks like a hot mess whenever you try it at home. Uh, they sell phone cases that either break themselves or break your phone when you try to put the phone within the case. And, and uh, my wife says, you you know, they sell jewelry that just looks amazing, but uh, it turns your skin green uh, after wearing it just once, you know. You know, the key to the success of the mall kiosk are those hip, young salespeople uh, they put there to get your attention and to rope you in. And, and in the past, you know, I've tried just every trick in the book uh, to avoid these sellers of defective desires, okay? You know, uh, sometimes... I just uh, kind of avoid eye contact and just try to like walk my way through like a maze. Or sometimes uh, I, I walk real briskly like I'm one of those mall walkers doing some exercise. But that never works because they just take a look at me and know he, he doesn't do any exercise, you know. So my, my favorite thing is, uh, is, my favorite trick is, is the fake phone call. You know, you pull out your phone and you're just, you, you know, and you just kind of keep walking the fake phone call. But, um, you know, this, this past time that I was at, at the mall, I, I did absolutely the unthinkable, uh, sinful. I walked right up to a mall kiosk. I walked right up to it, and it wasn't the location of the kiosk. It wasn't uh, some fancy, exciting layout that they had. Um, uh, it, it, it was not the salesperson that drew me in. It, it was the giant 4K television uh, displayed on there with my favorite childhood video game, Super Mario Brothers. Super Mario Brothers. So I just kind of left um, uh, my family behind and, and, you know, like my dog runs to the fridge when I open the cheese drawer, so I was sucked into uh, this mall kiosk. 
And uh, I heard that Nintendo had been selling these, these little video game consoles with hundreds of their original games on it. And you just buy one of these consoles and plug it in and play all of your, your favorites. And, and for a moment, you know, I didn't hear a, a single thing that that salesman said. I did not for sure hear the warnings uh, from my wife. Uh, but instead, what uttered out of my mouth was just, how much? <laughs> but instead of answering me how much it costs... The salesman told me that not only there, there's some old Nintendo games on here, but there's some old Sega Genesis games on here, too. Well, sold. I'll buy one right now. So that night, I, I got home, and I was so excited to show my kids some of my old favorite games. And, and, and when I hooked it up, I, I just got to be honest with you, I was so disappointed. Because uh, I was looking forward to playing Super Mario Brothers, but instead on there, they had the amazing Barrio Twins. Okay, I was looking forward to playing some of my old favorite Genesis games, but none of the Genesis games that were on there were any of the good ones. They were all the ones that we just hated, okay? Uh, they had a couple of games that I remember enjoying, uh, but it was, it was all in Japanese, and the code was written all wrong. And, and here, what had happened was I was duped. I was duped. I was not buying a Nintendo system. Uh, I was buying this fake rip-off system from this kiosk. I actually have a, a picture. Uh, on the right is the Super Nintendo Classic Edition Nintendo put out. But I bought what's on the left, the Super Mini SFG or SFC Entertainment System. I was totally duped. Uh, you know, I put my trust into something and it ultimately let me down. I wonder, have you ever trusted someone or put your trust into something and was let down? And I think we all have done that. Sometimes we put our trust into people and they, they stab us in the back. Sometimes we put our, our trust into a, a, a diploma that hangs on the wall or, or a career choice that we made and it just never panned out. You know, when I was 20 years old, I thought I was going to manage video rental stores for the rest of my life and that sure didn't pan out. Sometimes we put our trust in investments that don't turn out well and, and sometimes we put our trust really in acquiring stuff until we find out that that stuff doesn't really deliver true happiness, does it? Like, I can't even remember what I got for Christmas this last year. I don't know if you're the same way. Well, we're in the second week of, of our worship series, The Wonders of Worship. And, and uh, just as it's been said a couple of times tonight, we just, we just really have this wonderful worship night plan called Generations. Uh, on September 23rd at 7 p.m., we just really love for you to come out and worship with us that night. Now, one of the big things that I've been learning, especially lately, is that trust is an incredibly important part of worship. You know, when we sing songs of worship, we are trusting that there is a God who loves us in whom we sing these songs. Like, I don't know about you, but this new song that I just heard for the first time this morning, the Psalm 46 that our band played song, man, did I feel God moving in the room. And I put my trust in those words that I sing, that he is going to be with me through the fire, with me through the storm. He's going to be my shelter. He's going to lead me through the fiercest battle. You know, we trust God when we read God's word. The Bible, we are trusting that this is the truth. And that if I apply it to my life, then my life is going to look just a little bit better. You know, when we pray, we are trusting that God is listening. When we serve, we are trusting that God is using us. And when we go through difficult times of tragedy, of trials, or of temptation, and we choose to trust God during those times, what a profound act of worship that is. 
Instead of blaming God for the tough times, if we choose to trust that He is walking with us, that He knows what's best for us, that He's not the author of suffering, but He will use it to strengthen us. Gang, that is an act of worship. You know, isn't it interesting and that so many people, and I'm really one of these people, that, that we could trust God with our salvation. We could trust God with our eternal destiny. Yet we have a, a, a lot of trouble trusting God with our day to day. We have a lot of trouble trusting God with the problems that we face in this life. I, just for fun, I, I threw the word trust in thesaurus.com this past week and, and, and found a lot of synonyms, including words like faith, hope, belief, assurance. I was really amazed at the, at the last phrase in this list, gospel truth. You know, the question that was posed to us today is, I wonder if anything happens to me when I worship. I wonder if anything happens to me when I worship. And the answer is undeniably yes. We experience God's love when we worship him. We experience God's peace when we worship him. We become filled with God's joy. Sometimes we could be convicted of ways we've kind of gone astray. And we could tangibly experience God's forgiveness and mercy. But I've been learning that when I worship God by placing my trust in Him, that is when God speaks to me the loudest. Psalm 32 says this, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in him. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing all you who are upright in heart. The one who trusts in him, rejoice and be glad and sing. You know, there are many ways that God might choose to speak to you. God can choose to speak to you through the circumstances that he puts on your path. God can choose to speak to you through his word, the Bible that he places in your hand. God can choose to speak to you through the prayers he has placed on your lips. He could choose to speak to you through the trust that you place into him. God can choose to speak to you through the people he has placed in your life. And God will choose to speak to you through the Holy Spirit that he has placed in your heart. And today I want to talk to you about each one of these things just a little bit more. You know, God truly will speak to you through your circumstances. I don't believe that God is the author of suffering, but I believe that God will use it. He will use your circumstances, both good and bad, to be able to speak to us, to be able to stretch us, to be able to teach us. Proverbs Chapter 3 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will in all you do, and He will show you which path to take. You know, my family and I, we just made it through the biggest trust in God exercise of our entire lives. Uh, many of you might know that my daughter has been ill. And I've purposely been a little cryptic uh, when I talk about that, not sharing the details, because I believe that that is her story, her testimony to share when she gets old enough to tell it. 
However, I asked her permission to share some details, more specifically the details of God walking my wife and I through this incredibly tough time with my little girl. Now, my little girl, she was symptomatic at two years old, and she was diagnosed at three, and God was so very good to allow us to get her some help right here in Pittsburgh from about three to about six and a half. However, since November, the intensity of her illness just skyrocketed. And we were really dumbfounded as to what to do. And, and, and from November through June, we, we just exhausted all of our resources that we have here in Pittsburgh. And worse yet, you know, our insurance stopped covering uh, her treatment any longer. And so knowing that we need some help outside of Pittsburgh, I was just really thankful for my wife. My wife uh, was in hospital administration for, for 10 plus years uh, and, uh, and she, she's getting her Ph.D., so she really knows how to research, you know. And so she was doing a, a, just a ton of research, and, and she found the gold standard hospital uh, for my daughter's illness. The only problem is it was in Nashville, Tennessee. And I have to admit that I was really reluctant. I was really dragging my feet on this one. Was, was this really the right move for us? To, to split up our family for who knows how long? You know, were the doctors that were going to be treating her, were they going to be Christians? Were they going to respect the fact that we were? How would we pay out of pocket for this since our insurance is no longer covering things? Would we be able to find housing and, and food for my wife and daughter in Nashville? How, how are we going to manage work? How's that going to work out? You know, this problem was just way too big for me. I couldn't, I couldn't see the details. I couldn't see the finish line. And I just desperately needed to hear from God. And, and little did I know that God was going to use this time, this situation in our lives to stretch me, to speak to me, and to teach me. Now, God will speak to you through His Word. A very famous verse from Psalm 119 says, Your Word, that's the Bible, is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path, that God's word will show us one step at a time which way to go. Now, I've really learned that the Bible is really the number one way that God will choose to speak to us. And uh, I've told this story many times before, but it is, it is very true, and, uh, and I'll never forget it. That, you know, that one of the reasons why I work with, with high schoolers and, and love to do so is because high school for me was the, probably the toughest time uh, of my young life. I mean, it was just a battlefield each and every day. And a lot of teenagers will tell you going to high school is like going into battle. And I can remember uh, going through something really frustrating at the time. And I was going to youth group for a while at my church that my parents went to. And, uh, and I remember just kind of crying out to God one night through this tough time that I was going through. And I said, God, I need to hear from you. Will you speak to me? And I did something really silly. I took this note card and a pen, and I set it on the nightstand next to my bed. And I said, God, would you just, would you just show me you're here? Will you just write something down? Would you just, I mean, even if it's just like a, a cross or something or a heart, you know, would you just write something down or, or tell me which way I should go? And, I, I, you know, I drifted to sleep. And the next morning... Uh, very excitedly, I grabbed that note card. And you'll never believe it. There was nothing on it. There was nothing on it, and I was so frustrated. And I remember getting out of bed, and I remember just, you know how you're frustrated, you just kind of kick at the air, and I kicked at the air, and I hurt my foot. 
I kicked something, I stubbed my foot, and screaming in pain, I fell down on the ground, and I looked over, and it was the brand new student edition study Bible that my youth pastor had just bought me. And I remember, for the, probably the first time in my life, getting this impression from God in my heart. And he said, you know, I've already written down everything that you need to know. You just need to read it. You just need to take the time to read it every day. Did you know that God gives us more than 7,000 promises for us in his word? And during this difficult season, my wife and I, we really leaned on our family's like, life verse. It's a promise that God made to his people when they were held captive in Babylon, but it's a promise that we could claim today. And it's Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. In those days, when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. And so my wife and I, we, we trusted in that. And we started to pray, and we started to look for God And we just believed that we were going to find him. And so as we were praying, may I just remind you that God will speak to you through prayer. You know, my wife and I, we began to to pray and and look for God. And we went to others and asked them for prayer too. And this was, was, uh, you know, a big deal. So we went to Pastor Jared, who's been praying for us for many years. And we went to Pastor Jared asking for for some advice and for some prayer and Man, was he so amazingly supportive and helpful. And he advised us and he prayed with us through so many extreme situations in our past. And he reminded us that, that through all these uh, crazy times my wife and I have been through, that when a situation seems too big for us to comprehend, my wife and I, we've always prayed that God might open or close doors, showing us which way that we should go. That we pray that, that he would open and close doors. And, and Jared reminded us that, man, there are many, many doors that God would have to open for Nashville. At first, my daughter would have to get accepted into this treatment program where many, many people were on the waiting list for. Uh, that we would need to be able to figure out housing down there in Nashville. That we would need to be able to figure out how to manage work. And, and, and there was also the, just the, the biggest door of all the doors that we were going to need to somehow raise thousands and thousands of dollars to pay for this treatment out of pocket as our insurance was no longer covering treatment for my daughter. You know, through much of this time, I've been studying Isaiah chapter 30. Let me read you some of those words beginning in verse 18. So the Lord must wait for you to come to him so he can show you his love and compassion. For the Lord is a faithful God. Blessed are those who wait for his help. He will be gracious if you ask for help. He will surely respond to the sounds of your cries. Though the Lord gave you adversity for food and suffering for drink, he will stand, he will still be with you to teach you. We had to ask for God for help. We had to ask him, God, will you show us? Will you open doors or close doors? If you open doors, God, it might be tough, but we will walk through them. If you close doors, God, we we won't try to, to break through them. So wherever you might lead us, God, would you open and close doors? 
And, God, you know, gang, God, God will speak to you when you trust him in that way. Can I just tell you that in a 48-hour period, in a two-day period, God opened each and every door for six weeks of treatment in Nashville. First, my daughter was accepted to this treatment program that many were on the list for. And and that very afternoon, uh, my wife was able to secure housing for exactly six weeks. You know, the next morning, our, our bosses were so incredibly supportive about what we're about to go through. And finally, the biggest thing, at the end of the second day, two days, of all the organizations we reached out to to raise money, can you believe that God gave us the exact dollar it would cost to send her there for six weeks? No more, no less. I, I think it was to the dime the exact dollar to be able to go. And can I tell you something? I almost got sick to my stomach. Because suddenly I was going to have to trust God. (laughs) Suddenly I was going to have to walk through these doors that he opened. Suddenly I was going to have to send my wife and my daughter away. Trusting in six weeks worth of time. Isaiah chapter 30 continues in verse 20. You will see your teacher with your own eyes. Your ears will hear him. Right behind you, a voice will say, this is the way you should go, whether to the right or to the left. Notice how the Bible says right behind you, a voice will show you where to go. This implies that we need to make the first step. This implies that we need to walk through that door. This implies that we need to trust God first. And when we do, God will be faithful and he will walk with us, showing us which way to go, to the left or to the right. You know, God will also speak to you through his people. As Pastor Brad said in the, in the video earlier in Matthew 18, Jesus says, where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. I wish that I could tell you that this journey was easy. It was not. It was the most difficult thing my wife and I have ever been through. It was high stress. We were a family separated. It was very tough on my wife, who was in the trenches of it all down in Nashville. And it was extraordinarily tough on my kids. First for my daughter, who was going through it all down seeing these doctors, but then also the other who was wondering why her life was suddenly flipped, turned upside down. But God didn't abandon us. Through other believers, he encouraged us to know that he was walking every step down this incredibly difficult road through us. You know, I have prayer partners in this church that I had asked to pray about this situation, and they were constantly praying, and they were checking in with us. And gang, prayer leads to things happening. During my my wife's first week down there, housing fell through, and midway through the week, she was in the parking lot of the public library that had just closed. She called me. She was crying because she didn't know where she and my daughter were going to sleep that night. And while I was on the phone with her, someone who was praying for me had a friend who had a friend who had a friend who had a friend, and a set of grandparents who went and rescued my wife and brought her into their home and then went on vacation for three weeks, leaving her the keys. 
I was here during that time saying the same story to many of you on this platform. People were constantly reaching out to me to help me with my other daughter, right? They, they were planning all these adventures for her and things to do. I keep, uh, I'm, I'm a little administratively happy, and I keep this color-coded calendar, and, and, and my daughter, her color is blue, and I got to tell you, that month was just all blue. Like, I just couldn't believe how many people had reached out to be able to do something with her, be able to help me to get to go to work. You know, it was tough on us financially, too. We were, we were managing two different households, and I got just a window, just a little peek into what, it, what, it, what it's kind of like to be a single parent. And uh, as managing two different households, you know, I, I, I was really getting ready to rob Peter to pay Paul just so I could go down and visit my family in Nashville. And, and, and right before I would do that, different people from the church, different, different times would just sneak us a little bit of money. I say, go visit your family. This is, this is to help in any way. And I'd be able to go down a couple of times and visit them down in Nashville. You know, when, when I was down in Nashville on my first visit, we took an Uber. And it turned out to be a longer trip than it was supposed to be. And so I got to know this guy, this incredible guy. There's something about him who was driving the Uber. And it turns out that, that after a long conversation, I discovered that he was a pastor. And he had this mega church in Kentucky. And he just felt that God... Uh, uh, was, was pushing him to move to Nashville to start a new church. And so he started driving Uber just to go, get to know people and, and, and maybe have a chance to, to speak some truth into people's lives. And he prayed for my family during this whole time. I still have his contact info. This Uber driver is awesome. We, we visited this fantastic church. And right outside of the, the doors as we were walking in, we, we met this really great guy. I could have swear, sworn he was one of the pastors, if not the senior pastor of the church, right? He just had the right look, the right smile, and he was so welcoming, and he, he brought us in. He showed us the, the kids' ministry and got us checked in, and he walked us over to where the sanctuary was, and we, he got to hear a little bit of our story, and he said, you know, you, you guys have to have some friends down here in this town, so he exchanged phone numbers with us, and then after church, he took us out to lunch, and I found out, after I was asking, I was getting ready to hear all about his church, you know, pastor in this church, he wasn't the pastor, he was just this guy who loved his church, like many of you. And he reached out and he helped us. He was a friend to us during that time. You know, I, I, as I pulled into the hospital where my daughter was being treated, I couldn't believe it. I saw this giant cross. Can we put it up on the screen? I saw this giant cross on the side of the hospital. You see those like uh, white poster boards that are about four window lines down? That's my, that's my daughter's hospital room. And right above it is this giant cross. I discovered that all of her doctors, every single one of them was a Christian, was a believer, and loved to talk about it with us. And then my wife took me to lunch in the cafeteria, and, and here's my other daughter and my wife eating lunch. I had to take a picture. They have scripture written all over this hospital. And it said, for with God, uh, or, for with God nothing shall be impossible. My wife made so many Christian friends, moms whose kids were going through the same thing and, and who were there uh, for their kids' treatment. And they formed this like little small group and they went out to, to lunch and they, they prayed for one another. But gang, can I tell you the greatest thing of all, the thing that moved me beyond belief is that my little girl shared her faith while she was in this program. There was another little girl there who was raised atheist, but she was eager eager to learn about Jesus because my little girl won't shut up about him. (laughs) 
And so during lunch, each day at the hospital, this little girl would come and find my daughter and, and sit with her and ask her questions each and every day about Jesus. She wanted to know more and more and more until, as the story was told to me, my daughter got kind of fed up and frustrated and said, you know, can I just, can I just tell you how to begin a relationship with Jesus? <laughs> she shared Christ with this little girl. Gang, God was showing off during this time. He was showing off. But the tough times didn't end there. And, and I'm just so thankful that God will speak to you through His Holy Spirit. A lot of people, I still believe that God, if He, if he wants to, if He chooses to, He could speak to you with a lot, an audible voice. But a lot of people wonder, why, why don't I hear an audible voice? Well, if you begin a relationship with Jesus Christ, you, know, you have His Holy Spirit living right here, residing right here, and, and He speaks up through you through His Holy Spirit. In fact, Jesus said it this way in John 14, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. The tough times weren't over because at the beginning of the fifth week, while my family was in Nashville, I, I, I phoned in to this conference call of all my daughter's doctors, and my wife was in the room, and we, we really got a punch in the stomach that day. Because uh, although the doctors were really pleased with my daughter's progress, that she made a ton of progress, they didn't think it was enough for her to go home anytime soon. And they thought that she might be there eight, ten weeks. I mean, they really kind of wanted to leave it open. And we just thought, I don't think we could do this much longer. This is, this is tough stuff. I don't think we could, we could do this much longer. It was a real low point for me that week. I couldn't believe it. I didn't understand and maybe, maybe I wasn't listening very well, but I, I don't think that I really heard from God at all that week, at least concerning my daughter's situation. I wonder, have you ever just cried out to God, just in desperation? Maybe there's something you're going through right now, and you're just saying, God, where are you? I need your help. Will you speak to me? Will you help me? Will you show up for me? I need you, God. And you felt like you're talking to a brick wall. You felt like maybe God wasn't listening. I've been praying the same prayer over and over again for days, for weeks, months. Some people pray the same prayer for years and they wonder, God, where are you? You know, when I was in high school, I could remember, I hated this time, taking the test. Remember taking the test in high school? And when you take the test in high school, the teacher's always silent. They're in the room with you, but the teacher is always silent when you're taking the test. And I think the same goes for us when we are being tested by God. And if I could just say that as biblical as it is, I've always been frustrated with the idea that God wants to test us. <laughs> i just be honest. God, you know everything. Why, why do you want to test me? Am I going to pass? Am I going to fail? Don't you know the answer already? Until someone pointed out to me that God does already know the answer. And that's why the test is not for God to know. The test is for you. You go through the test and the test is for you to know, have I learned it? Am I able to apply it? Am I able to pick up what God's been teaching me? Am I changing you know, at the beginning of the sixth week, I just couldn't take it anymore. Plans had changed, and, 
And uh, you know, I just I threw the dog in the kennel, and I threw my daughter in the car. I said that in the first service too. I didn't actually throw her in the car. I placed her gently in the car. I did throw the dog in the kennel though. But I <laughs> and I drove down to Nashville. I just got in the car. I'm just going to drive down to Nashville. And with a 10-hour drive ahead of me, and my daughter distracted with uh, her earphones and whatever video game she was playing, uh, some bad parenting uh, moments there. Um, it was just me and God in the cockpit, right? For 10 hours of a drive, it was just me and the Lord. And I felt a prompting from the Holy Spirit. I remembered this verse that, that Jesus said in John 14, that the Holy Spirit will, will bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. You know, and Jesus was talking about all that he had taught the disciples. But I started to remember at that time, the Holy Spirit was bringing to remembrance all the people that God had placed on my path. And all the encouragement that had given me. And I started to remember all the doors that God had opened specifically for six weeks. Money, work, housing, everything pointed to six weeks. So I started to talk to God. Sometimes it was in my head. Sometimes I think I was screaming at him. But I started to talk to God. And I said, God, you said six weeks. And so far, you haven't told me otherwise. So God, I am going to trust in what you said. I am going to believe that I am bringing my daughter home on Friday, the end of the sixth week. I'm going to believe that unless I hear from you otherwise. No, throughout that six week while I was there, the doctors informed us that they were amazed that not only had my daughter hit all the benchmarks she needed to, but she blew through them with flying colors. She blew through every benchmark. She hit every challenge. And do you know that she was discharged on Friday, the last day of that six week, and I got to bring my family home. And again, can I just tell you that I think the greatest moment was, was uh, right before that day, we were sitting in the parking garage of the hospital, and, and, and my family was sitting in there, and we turned to my daughter, and we said, "Hun, you're going home. You're being discharged. And she started to cry, you know, like that ugly cry. <laughs> you know, it's not coming at, down, and... I'll never forget, she, she raised her hands like a champion, and she said, I did it. God helped me, and I did it. She never lost sight of God. Throughout the whole process, my wife and I were on a roller coaster, but my daughter, she never lost sight of the process. She trusted God in each and every step. She never lost sight of him. She never stopped believing that he was with her. Do you know what she did for those six weeks down there and also for this past week here at home? She worshipped God. She has this little guitar. I made sure it went down there with her. She doesn't know how to play it. (laughs) But she goes to these secret places. She goes to these quiet rooms. She never does it in front of us. She sneaks away and she strums those strings. And she writes songs to Jesus, and she sings to him. One time I heard her, barely heard it, and I crept up around, just around the bend of the room. 
And I was so moved by what she was singing. I couldn't pull my phone out fast enough. I wanted to type the the lyrics down. Can I just share with you what my daughter sang that day? It was down in Nashville while I was visiting. She sang, God is with me. God helped Samson beat the Philistines. God helped David beat Goliath. God can help me beat this too. There was a chorus. It went, oh, 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 God is with you every step. Oh, 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 God is with you every step. God will talk to you every day in your heart through the Bible. You just need to listen to him. Oh, 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 God is with you every step. You just need to listen to him. I just jotted this down real quick this morning. In Job 33, it says this, God does speak, sometimes one way, sometimes another, even though people may not understand it. Let's pray. God, I thank you. And God, we, we want to gather in this place this morning and worship you here. God, I thank you for what you have done in my life. God, may I never lose those lessons. May I never take it for granted. But God, I know that there are probably a lot of people sitting in this room that have either been through something similar or are going through something now. And God, I pray that you would just show up in a mighty way for these people. God, I pray that as we worship you, as we place our trust in you, that you would speak to us. I pray, God, that we would sing songs of trust to you, just like a little kid doesn't need to make a whole lot of musical sense. This needs to come from the heart. God, I pray that you would just show up in a mighty way in these people's lives. That as they trust you, as they walk through tough times with you, as they walk down the path, or maybe they might know someone who's walking down a path, would they show up for that person as so many people showed up for me? Would they be ambassadors of your kingdom to say God is walking with you? God, would you do something great? We love you, God. We worship you, and we trust you.